Hello, my friends. This is Nikki. Thank you for joining me for episode 39 of Learning About the Lord. Today, we will talk about the paralytic who was cured in Peter's house. And we will go on about another lesson regarding the miraculous drought of fish. We are reading from Maria Valtorta, volume 1. Jesus has arrived at Peter's house in Capernaum. He sends Peter, Andrew, James, and John to collect the people to Peter's house and also to bring the sick people so that he can speak with everyone and then work his miracles. The children buzz around Jesus. They're very happy to see him. They call him, Master, Master, here is Jesus, here is Jesus, and they come close to him and he caresses them while speaking to his disciples. When the disciples go off in different directions, the children, who are very excited, say to Jesus, Speak to us and for us today, Jesus. You know we love you, and we are better than men. Jesus smiles at the young psychologist and promises, I will speak just for you. And followed by the children, he goes into the house and enters, pronouncing his usual greeting of peace to this house. People crowd into the big room at the back of Peter's house, which is used as a store for nets, ropes, baskets, oars, sails, and provisions. Jesus begins to speak. In the front row there are five high-ranking people who have elbowed their way through the crowd, taking advantage of the fear they strike into poor people. Their sumptuous garments and their pride denounce them as Pharisees and doctors. But Jesus wants his little friends around him. A crown of innocent little faces, of bright eyes, of angelical smiles, all looking up at him. Jesus speaks, and while speaking, now and again, he caresses the curly head of a child who was sitting at his feet. Resting his head on his little arm, bent on Jesus' lap. Jesus is speaking, sitting on a huge pile of baskets and ropes. My beloved went down to his garden, to the beds of spices, to pasture his flocks in the garden, and gather lilies. He pastures his flock among the lilies, says Solomon, the son of David, from whom I descend, I, the Messiah of Israel. My garden! Which garden is more beautiful and worthy of God than heaven, where the flowers are the angels created by the Father? And yet, it is not so. The only begotten Son of the Father, the Son of Man, wanted another garden, because it is for the sake of man that I took flesh, without which I would not be able to redeem the faults of the flesh of man. A garden which might have been but little inferior to the heavenly one, if from the earthly paradise the children of Adam, the children of God, had spread about like sweet bees, from a beehive to populate the earth with holiness destined entirely for heaven. But the enemy sowed brambles and thorns in Adam's heart, and brambles and thorns have overflown from his heart onto the earth. It is no longer a garden, but a wild, cruel forest in which fever stagnates and snakes nestle. And yet the beloved of the Father still has a garden in this world, which is domineered by Mammon. Mammon is another of the names that Jesus uses for Satan. 
the garden in which he feeds on his celestial food, which is love and purity, the bed where he picks the flowers dear to him, flowers not stained with sensuality, greed, and pride. These ones, he indicates the little children, here are my lilies. Solomon in all his wealth did not have a robe more beautiful than the lily that scents the valley. Neither did he possess a diadem of a more splendid gracefulness than the one in the pearl chalice of a lily. And yet, from my heart, there is no lily worth one of these. And now he's indicating the children. There is no flower bed, no garden of wealthy people, all cultivated with lilies, that I consider worth only one of these pure, innocent, sincere, simple little children. Men and women of Israel, you, great and humble people, according to your wealth and position, listen. You are here because you want to know me and love me. You must therefore know the first condition to become mine. I will not speak difficult words. Neither will I give you more difficult examples. I say to you, take example from these children. Which of you has no children, nephews, or little brothers in their childhood, at home? Are they not a restful comfort, a bond for parents, relatives, friends? Their souls are as pure as a clear dawn. Their faces scatter clouds and inspire hope. Their caresses dry your tears and give you new strength. Why is there so much power in them, although they are weak, defenseless, and still unlearned? Because they have God in themselves. They have strength and wisdom in God. The true wisdom. They know how to love and believe. They know how to believe and want. They know how to live in such love and such faith. Be like them. Simple, pure, loving, sincere, faithful. There is no wise man in Israel greater than the smallest of these children whose souls belong to God and his kingdom belongs to them. Blessed by the Father, loved by the Son of the Father, flowers of my garden, may my peace be with you and with whoever will imitate you for my sake. Jesus has finished speaking. Master, shouts Peter amidst the crowd, the sick people are here. Two of them can wait until you come out. But this one is crushed amongst the crowd, and he cannot stay here any longer. It is impossible for us to come in. Shall I send him back? No, says Jesus. Lower him down through the roof. You are right, says Peter. We will do that at once. I can hear them shuffling on the low roof of the big room, the terrace of which is not built of cement, as the storeroom is not really part of the house. The roof is formed with branches covered by chips of stone like slate. They make an opening through which, by means of ropes, they lower down the little stretcher on which the patient is lying. It is lowered in front of Jesus. The crowds throng closer to see. Both you and who brought you have great faith, says Jesus. O oh Lord, how could we have no faith in you? Well, says Jesus, I say to you, Son, your sins are forgiven.
The man looks at him, crying. Perhaps he is somewhat disappointed, because he was hoping to be cured in his body. The Pharisees and doctors whisper something to one another, turning up their noses, foreheads, and mouths in disdain. Why are you muttering more in your hearts than with your lips, says Jesus? According to you, is it easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or get up, take your little bed, and walk away? You think that only God can forgive sins, but you cannot answer which of these things is greater, because this man, whose whole body is lost to him, has spent a lot of money without being cured, and he can only be cured by God. Now that you may learn that I can do everything, that you may learn that the Son of Man has authority both over bodies and souls, on the earth and in heaven, I say to him, Get up, pick up your bed and walk, go home and be holy. The man jerks, he shouts, stands up, he throws himself at Jesus' feet, kisses and caresses them. He cries and laughs, and his relatives and the crowd do likewise. The crowd divides into two to let him pass as if he were triumphant, and they follow him, rejoicing. The five resentful men go away, conceited and as stiff as sticks. And so the mother can go in with her child, a little emaciated babe, still unweaned. She holds him out in her hands, saying simply, Jesus, you love them, you said so, for your love and for your mother, and she weeps. Jesus takes the suckling child who is dying. He presses him against his heart. For a moment he holds the little wan face with its little violet lips and its eyelashes already closed against his mouth. Only one moment thus. Then he removes him from his blonde beard. The little face is rosy, and the tiny mouth smiles vaguely as infants do. His little eyes look around, bright and inquisitive. His little hands, which before were lifeless, ruffle Jesus' hair and beard, and Jesus smiles. Oh, my son, shouts the happy mother. Take him, woman, says Jesus. Be happy and good. And the woman takes her reborn son and presses him to her heart, and the little one claims his food at once. He searches, finds, opens, and sucks, hungry and happy. Jesus blesses and passes. He goes to the door where is the man with the high temperature. Master, be good, the man calls. And you too, says Jesus. Make use of your health in justice. He caresses him and goes out. He goes down to the beach, followed, preceded, and blessed by many who implore him, We did not hear you. We could not get in. Speak also for us. Jesus nods assent, and as the crowd press him to the point of suffocating him, he gets into Peter's boat. But it is not sufficient. The siege continues. Set the boat afloat and move away a little, says Jesus. And Jesus begins to speak. He says, You follow me, you love me. Like plants in springtime, you adorn yourselves with purposes and love. Israel, indeed, at the dawn of my mission, 
is like our sweet countryside in the bright month of Nisan. But listen, like the excessive heat in dry weather, Satan, who is envious of me, will come to scorch you with his wrath. The world will come with its icy winds to freeze your blooms, and passions will come like storms, and tedium will come like a persistent rain. All my enemies and all yours will come to sterilize what should be the fruit of your inclination to bloom in God. I am warning you because I know. Will everything then be lost when I, like a sick farmer, even more than sick, dead, will no longer be able to speak to you and work miracles for you? No, I will sow and cultivate as long as I have time. Then everything will grow and ripen for you if you keep a good watch. Look at the fig tree near the house of Simon of Jonas. That's Simon Peter. Who planted it did not find the right and most favorable spot. Planted as it was near the damp northern wall, it would have withered if by itself it had not found protection to survive. And it sought sunshine and light. There it is all bent, but strong and proud, drawing in the rays of the sun from early dawn and converting them into nutrition for its hundreds and hundreds of sweet fruits. It defended itself by itself. It said, The Creator wanted me that I may give joy and food to man, and I want to join my will to his. A fig tree, a speechless tree, a soulless tree. And will you, children of God, the children of man, will you be inferior to a wooden plant? Keep a good watch to bear fruits of eternal life. I will cultivate you, and at the end I will give you such a potent juice that you will never find a more powerful one. Do not allow Satan to laugh at the destruction of my work, of my sacrifice, and of your souls. Seek light, seek sunshine, seek strength, seek life. I am the life, the strength, the sunshine, and the light. Of those who love me, I have come to take you whence I came. So Jesus is talking about how he came from heaven, and he's come to take us back to heaven, because he's opening the gates of heaven for us by taking our sins unto himself, suffering for us, and gaining entry into heaven for us. So once again he says, I have come to take you whence I came. I am speaking to you here to call you all and point out to you the Ten Commandments that give eternal life. And with loving advice I say to you, Love God and your neighbor. It is the first condition to fulfill everything else well. It is the most holy of the holy commandments, love. Those who love God, in God, and for the Lord God, will have peace both on the earth and in heaven, for their abode and their crown. People go away with difficulty after Jesus' blessing. There are neither sick nor poor people. Jesus says to Simon, Call the other two, let us go on to the lake and cast the net. 
Master, says Peter, my arms ache with fatigue. All night I cast and hauled the net, and all in vain. The fish are down at the bottom. I wonder where. Do as I tell you, Peter, says Jesus. Always listen to those who love you. So Jesus is imploring Peter to remember to obey him. I will do as you say, out of respect for your word, says Peter. And he shouts to the assistants and also to James and John, Let us go out fishing. The master wants to go. And while they are moving away, he says to Jesus, However, master, I assure you that it is not the right time. Goodness knows where the fish will be resting now. Jesus, sitting at the prow of the boat, smiles and is silent. They form a semicircle on the lake and then cast the net. After a few minutes waiting, the boat is shaken in a strange way because the lake is as smooth as a glass plane under the midday sun. But that is fish, master, says Peter, with his eyes wide open. Jesus smiles and is silent. Heave ho! Heave ho! Peter orders his assistants. But the boat lists to one side where the net is. Hey there, James, John, quick, come quick, with the oars, quick. They rush, and the joint efforts of the two crews succeed in hauling in the net without damaging the catch. The two boats draw closer. They are now united. One, two, five, ten baskets. They are all full of wonderful fish, and there are still so many wriggling in the net live silver and bronze struggling to escape there is only one thing to be done to empty the net into the bottom of the boats they do that and the bottoms become a turmoil of agonizing lives and the crew are up to their ankles in such abundance that the boats sink below the water line because of the excessive weight to the shore steer quick the sails! Watch the depth line! Have the poles ready to prevent a clash! We have too much weight! shouts Peter. As long as the maneuver lasts, Peter thinks of nothing else. But when he gets ashore, he begins to realize. He understands. He is frightened. Master, he says, my lord, go away from me. I am a sinner. I am not worthy of being near you. He is on his knees on the damp shore. Jesus looks at him and smiles. Get up, follow me. I will not leave you any more. From now on you will be a fisher of men and your companions with you. Be afraid of nothing. I am calling you. Come. At once, Lord, says Peter. You look after the boats, he says. Take everything to Zebedee and to my brother-in-law. Let us go. We are all for you, Jesus. Blessed be the Eternal Father for this choice. So Jesus taught us the message of loving like children love, to be simple, pure, loving, sincere, and faithful, to know how to believe and to have faith and, and obedience. And he gave us an example when he took Peter 
and James and John and Andrew out into the fishing boats, and Peter said, Why are we bothering? There are no fish. There's no fish. I fished all night. There are no fish. And Jesus said nothing. And then they cast their nets, and their nets were overfilled with abundance of fish. And Peter realized that he was lacking in faith, that he needed to be obedient to Jesus, to trust Jesus, to expect the unexpected, to believe in his miraculous ability to create healthy bodies out of diseased ones and to fish fish out of a lake and to do anything that the Lord wants to do. We believe in God. We believe that anything is possible. We believe that everything is possible with faith and hope and prayer and obedience. We know that God will hear us and answer our prayers. This is the lesson that we had today. I thank you for joining me. And I ask God to bless each and every one of you. Go with God.